Welcome to The Step, a podcast for and about unstoppable individuals presented by Pop Sugar and Sorrel. I'm your host, actress and singer, Katie Stevens. Last season, we heard from fearless individuals who boldly take up space in pursuit of their dreams. This season, we're celebrating those individuals who embrace creativity and opportunity, no matter the challenge in front of them. Join us. Now, these next two guests really helped me discover the true meaning of sisterhood. You got to water the friendship soil. That's what I'm always saying. (laughs) (laughs) Every day, Megan's out here saying that. I'm always saying that. Anybody who knows me will tell you. And that is my two best friends, Aisha D and Megan Fahey. Not only my best friends, but my co-stars from The Bold Type on Freeform, which just wrapped its fifth and final season. These women have been some of my closest confidants, and I am continually impressed and amazed by all they do. Aisha is an Australian actress and singer-songwriter. She also starred in Sci-Fi's Channel Zero, MTV's Sweet Vicious, ABC's Chasing Life, the movie Ghosting, and so much more. And she just released her first music EP, Ice in My Rosé, which is pure fire, And Megan is an actress of stage and screen who made her Broadway debut in the Tony and Pulitzer Prize winning musical Next to Normal before taking over the television landscape with roles on One Life to Live, The Good Wife, The Jim Gaffigan Show, Gossip Girl, Chicago Fire, and more. She also starred opposite Jessica Chastain in the film Miss Sloan and played a young Betty White in the Hallmark Hall of Fame film The Lost Valentine. I am so honored to call these women my sisters. Their talents are undeniable. And it's just been such a blessing to watch them kill it year after year. So, Aisha and Megan, welcome to The Step. Oh, baby. Oh, hi. (laughs) Thanks for having us. (laughs) You killed that, by the way. You guys have just done so much. It's just such a mouthful, but it was a privilege to talk about. (laughs) Um, So I have been starting off every episode with asking my guests to tell me a motto or a mantra, quote, something that you've bookmarked recently or something that you live by that kind of helps get you through the day, inspire you, whatever it may be. Oh, man. Come on, Maggie. Okay, I have I have two. I have one one that my mom has always said to me my whole life um that is this too shall pass Mm. I love that one and then today on the internet I saw one that said you haven't met all of the people who are going to love you yet and that's not really (laughs) I don't think that really applies to what Katie was asking for but I liked that and wanted to share yes it does that applies I think that I think that we're all just like wanting to you know, be loved in our lives. And I think that it's not only we haven't met people who are going to love us, but, or, you know, it's people who are going to change our lives. You know, I was like exciting. Yeah. I, five years ago had no idea I was going to meet you guys. And now I'm Mm -hmm. like, what would I do? (laughs) (laughs) Aisha, do you have one? Yeah. You know, I realized like I've been reading Rumi a lot lately. And Nicole Boucheri actually gave me my first Rumi book. And Mm. um, Rumi has this quote that is, um, the wound is the place where the light enters you. 
Yes. And I just feel like, I, I don't know, it just feels so uh, important to remember that, especially right now when it feels like everything is quite tumultuous in the world. And I mean, not in my personal life. I'm stable as a table. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you laugh too hard, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like that quote a lot. I've always really liked it. Isn't it like Leonard Cohen has one that's similar? It's like everything has cracks. That's how the light gets in. Oh, is that yeah, that's beautiful I'm paraphrasing. Too. I don't know if that's... Anya Leonard. Good job. Yeah. Oh. On yet, Leonard. <laughs> I love those. All right. Well, um, I want to get into the questions now. And okay. so I like to start by kind of taking it back to, you know, a little Asia and a little Megan. When did you uh-huh. realize that you wanted to be in entertainment? Asia, start with you. Well, I was just a wee girl sitting in front of the telly and I was watching Sesame Street. I just really loved the show and wanted to know, you know, (laughs) how to get to Sesame Street. And my mom said it's in New York. And then I said, cool, I want to be on there. And she said they're actors. And so I just kind of decided then and then was like a very precocious child and teenager telling everyone I was going to go to New York and be an actor, even though I had no way of making that happen. <laughs> um, you but did, yeah, though. Well, Sesame Street was so ahead of its time and such a beautiful show to me. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I still think it slaps. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for the day that you call us and you're on Sesame Street. That'll be the day I die. It Literally <laughs> on my gravestone, uh, Aisha, cause of death finally made it onto Sesame Street. <laughs> And Megan, uh, when did you realize, like, I feel like I picture you like putting on shows for your family. I was forced very often to put on shows for my family. I (laughs) was very shy as a child, but I loved to sing. And I think you both already know this story and have seen the footage. But when I was eight years old, I was in the Girl Scout, my Girl Scout talent show. And it was the first time that I had performed in front of an audience. And I almost didn't do it. I was like, so nervous. Somebody had to walk, hold my hand and walk me out on stage. And then I started singing What a Girl Wants by Christina Aguilera, which I definitely feel like I had a grasp of as an eight year old. So it did feel like the right song choice for me. I feel like we need that footage needs to be out in the world because everybody yeah, deserves YouTube? to see it. It's not on YouTube. And I. Well, why not? Well, <laughs> it's a little much of it's, myself to share. It's perfect in every way. Um, I'm going to need everybody on the interweb to just hound Megan until she releases the tape. Oh, no. Um, anyway, yeah, I. I I started singing that song and it actually was a really formative moment in my life. Something just happened. I don't know. It just felt like I, I, it changed something in me. And I was like, I love this. I love the way that this feels. I want to do this. Um, I continued to like really, really struggle with doing it, with singing in front of people for even now. But once I'm doing it, I really like it. And so that's kind of how it started. I got into acting, obviously, way, way, way later. But that moment for me at the Girl Scout Talent Show was when I knew 
but there was something in me that wanted to do something with that. And I know this answer, but um, for those who don't, what can you tell us about your first role and how you landed it? (laughs) How did you land the role? (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with Meg. Go ahead. Like you're talking about like a professional job, like something somebody paid me to do. Yeah. That would have been uh, next to normal. I was 18 and I was living in Massachusetts and I was auditioning to be the understudy for at the time, what was this off-Broadway show that was going out of town to do a run in DC. My parents would drive me back and forth. I would audition and turn around and go back home to Massachusetts. It was like a two and a half hour drive. And I ended up getting the part of the understudy and the casting director came out and was like, hey, just so you know, this show is super weird and I don't think that it has a future after this, but it's a really great creative team. And if you want to take a semester, your first semester off of college and go have a great experience, then you should do that. So I was like, okay, great. And I did that. And then of course it ended up going to Broadway and I was lucky enough to to get to take over the role when the girl that originated it left to go do another show. Um, and that... I had gone to an open call, though. That's sort of how I wound up in the in the position. I went to an open call that my mom dragged me to because I was so nervous to go. And mm. I waited in line for like, you know, five hours and did the whole thing. And then you get to sing like 16 bars. I sang <laughs> My Immortal by Evanescence. Yes. And then I went I home and I was like, I'm going to go to college. And I wasn't decided on what I wanted to study And then they called and asked if I would come audition for this thing. And that's kind of how it all started. Did you get into college? Like, were you planning? Did you have a school that you were planning on going to? Yeah, I, I did. I had applied to a few schools. And then after we did the off-Broadway run in DC, I reapplied because I thought I was going to go back again. Mm. What Um, was, do you have, do you have the school that you were going to go to? Yeah, I was going to go to a state school, Westfield State. At the time, it was college, and I think now it's university. But I had gotten into like UMass Amherst and Ithaca and like other places, but I I opted not to go because I didn't know what I wanted to study. Yeah, and I didn't. We didn't have like a ton of money, and I didn't want to waste my parents' money. Like I just thought for the first two years, I'll go get all my gen eds out of the way, and then once I know what I really want to do, I'll transfer somewhere else. Yeah, which. I didn't end up doing, but that was the plan. None of us went to college, right? No. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Aisha, you definitely didn't because you, it was your first role, Saddle Club? Uh, Yes, it was. Uh, It was an infant. (laughs) (laughs) Ripe age of 13? Yeah. um, How did you, I don't even know if I know the audition process of Saddle Club uh, and what that was like. Well, I used to, do you guys remember like the yellow pages that they would drop off on your front doorstep mm-hmm. in like the 90s? Um, with like phone phone numbers in them? Yeah, it was like businesses and stuff. And Yeah, yeah. So I would look in the yellow pages and, and in the newspaper a lot just for like casting directors and um, agencies. And you're how I, old at this point? I was probably like 10 or 11 but I said before I was very obnoxious and I wasn't lying (laughs) um and yeah I like uh found this agency I think and I think it was the first audition 
I had ever been on. And like, I remember getting in there and, you know, you go in with your sides for the audition scenes. And I, I had never taken acting classes or anything. I just kind of knew it was what I wanted to do. And um, I asked them if I should read like the stage direction. And they were like, no, no, just just read your lines. I was like, do I need to say my character name before the line? They were like, no, just the line. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was a thing, but I was l- lucky enough to have had a chance to to do that. And I got it. And um, then I like moved to this little country town in Victoria called Dalesford. And um, we were filming out there for like nine months. And it, it was my very first experience. I was like living with two girls in this big house on a lake. Scary. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and like riding horses and like singing songs. And pretty much every episode ended with a group hug. Cute. Yeah, it was. I actually like really can't believe that I was so blessed to have had that as a first experience because there was no pressure and there was no, I never felt nervous. I just felt like I was with my, my buddies, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess all of those um, ending group hugs really prepared you for all of our group <laughs> hugs on the bull type. <laughs> they sure did. Yes. That was my training ground. Come on. <laughs> And now, Megan, um, being that you started on stage, how did that sort of influence your on-screen career? Like, did you have to go through any sort of like unlearning? I know a lot of times like when people come from stage, like stage is very big in terms of like the way that you have to act to reach an audience that's like physically there. And then screen becomes a little more grounded. Like, how was that? transition and how did it influence your screen career if you know it had any influence at all well I didn't have this was something too that at a certain point I became really insecure about is that I didn't have any training of any kind and I'm sure you both can relate to this too um and so I started feeling like oh my gosh everyone else has tools like they went to school or they knew they wanted to do this before I did. And, and so I kind of was just learning as I went, like, when I showed up to that open call, which was like my first audition, they said to bring a headshot. And I brought, I brought a headshot that was black and white, because I I had only ever seen headshots in black and white. And I just assumed that they like wanted them to be in black and white, which is not Mm -hmm. true. And my resume was like my high school resume that had like my extracurriculars on it. And that's sort of how (laughs) I continued to move through the industry, I, I think that when I started doing film and TV and stuff, it was pretty much the same where I was just kind of trying to learn from the people around me. But I don't think that I had to unlearn any theater stuff because the show that I had done at that point was so specific. And I learned from watching someone else create it too. So like, I was sort of ushered into it in this beautiful way. Um, and then I was, I feel like I was really lucky in the sense that everyone I worked with when I transitioned into like doing other things, I had a lot of really cool people who like were very nice to me, but nobody tells you how to do it. Like I, I'm sure you both have stories. Like I remember the first time I was on a television set, I was doing like two scenes in an episode of Gossip Girl and they were saying all these words and yelling all this stuff. And I had no idea. I had never heard any of hmm. these words before. I had no idea, but I, and I was too shy to ask what they meant. 
So I was just kind of following people around, hoping that no one would know that I had no idea what I was doing. I feel like that was my, when I moved to LA after I did American Idol, I had done acting classes, but like, you know, acting classes are, you're doing like scene study. Nobody's really telling you any of the terms or things that you're going to need to know when you actually get on a set. Like nobody tells you about marks. No one tells you about like how many people are on set. And I remember shooting the pilot of faking it and like watching back the pilot and like kind of seeing that I was doing some theatery things with my hands, like with my hands by my side, kind of like out like gesturing to people that aren't there, you know, <laughs> and it's just, yeah, I mean, you, you learn by doing essentially. Yeah. I remember someone, the first time someone tried to mark me, I offered to do it. I was like, oh my God, no, I, I can do it <laughs> because I didn't know that that was someone's job. And I just saw someone like bending down at my feet putting a mark on the floor for me to stand by. And I was just like, oh no, let me, you don't have to get down on your knees and do that. Like I was so, I just had no idea. I think there's something really beautiful about being like a a blank canvas and starting from that point, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't know, no one really knows what they're doing. I think everyone is winging it. I truly, I don't believe anyone when they say they know everything, like. Uh, no one knows the, everything. Yeah, like the industry and and the world is changing so much all the time that you know, I I think it's good to kind of stay open and 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 stay in that same zone that I think we all came into this with, which was yeah. just like, oh, I know nothing. Like what can I learn today? Yeah. And now Ish being that, I mean, I hope that everybody knows that Asha is an incredibly talented musician and songwriter. <laughs> and me and Megan are just always so lucky to just be like sitting in the living room with Asia, And she yeah. just grabs her ukulele and just is like, I wrote this song today. And then yeah. she sings it. And it's like a work of art. Just and <laughs> truly one of the most creative people that I know. Like so impressive. But yeah. like, I'm curious, and I've never asked you, like, does your acting career and your experience as an actress, has that informed your songwriting at all? Um, oh, that's actually a really, that's a good question, Katie. Thanks. Um, <laughs> you guys are so sweet. Also, shut up. You're two of the most incredible musicians I've ever met in my life. And I feel so blessed to be sitting in the lounge room with you, trying desperately <laughs> to sing that. What's that girl's name? <laughs> Olivia <laughs> Rodrigo. <laughs> <laughs> For those uh, that don't know, there is a video that was posted <laughs> of us three in a lounge room trying to sing driver's license together and do like three-part harmony, and we <laughs> never got through. And it no. was like 10 p.m. at night. I had to, I was the only one who had to wake up at like four to go to work. So I am in the corner just like, come on, guys. <laughs> I mean, all three of our personalities really come through in those <laughs> <They're> shine, baby. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I don't, I don't know. I think I have, sometimes I've written songs from the perspective of a character just because it helps me like get into a character's head. I know that sounds maybe a bit douchey, but I've written songs from like Kat's perspective and from my perspective and other characters that I've played over the years. So yeah, I think it's all kind of like intertwined and it's kind of all the same thing. Like, I actually, I don't remember who said this to me. It was someone on set said that 
film and TV, making a scene work, uh, it always feels like jazz music. There's a level of communication that is happening between all of the instruments, which are like, you know, the steady cam up and then all of the actors in the scene and the background artists that are moving around and like all of these things have to kind of move together as one. And to me, it really feels like music. So mm. I don't know. they just feel like uh, sisters. You know? I love that. You know, and now you guys have gotten, I'm giggling because there's one character in particular that I'm thinking of for Megan um, when she had a chest tattoo. <laughs> but <laughs> you guys have played so many different characters. Like what kind of characters do you like to play most and why? Oh, I love yeah. to play crazy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why you're good at it, boo. Because <laughs> I'm crazy. Yes, exactly. Asia. Oh, I don't know. I don't think I really, I don't really have anything in my brain before I actually read the script. I really just, I like feeling like I'm like in a little world and I don't know what makes me connect to certain characters, but you know the feeling like in your gut when you're like, oh, this is, this is someone who I understand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's maybe like the first way to experience a character that you connect with is like when you see something in them that you share. Mm, for sure. But I also think it's really interesting when the opposite happens, where it's like you see something in a character that you feel like you maybe don't share. Oh, yeah. But is like really interesting to you. And like, that's, I also think I love when that happens. Yeah, it's like developing a sense of empathy for someone who might feel really different from you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and like, I feel like we have had the experience, especially on the bold type of playing these characters who initially were written by somebody who had never met us yet. And then we kind of brought these characters to life. And then the writers were kind of catering the dialogue and, you know, their writing to envisioning us as, as kind of who we are as people. Obviously, our characters are different in some elements, but you know, when it kind of connects and those lines are blurred, I feel like that's when we all really created magic when we were doing those scenes where we just got to kind of let our actual friendship shine through in those moments. And that's, that's kind of the reason why I'll never forget shooting the last scene in the closet. Because I tell everybody, I was like, when we shot that scene, it was Kat, Jane, and Sutton you know, having this like closure moment with each other and crying and saying these lines to each other. But it really was, you know, me and, and you guys and our real friendship talking to each other. Yeah. 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 And you know, we, <laughs> the three of us, have been through a lot on set together in the last five years. But just in general with the entertainment industry, like what have you learned about yourself through working in this industry. <laughs> Megan, do you have one? Because I am coming up. I was just waiting for you to say something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, okay, wait, I do have, I have one thing, but I don't, I don't think this is what you're after, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it's all I got in my tiny little brain. <laughs> um, <laughs> my old friend Kevin used to always tell me to remember, you know, no matter where you go in your career or whatever, you're never as good as they say you are, and you're never as sh as they say you are. Mm. Mm. And just keep keep your mind on the track of 
the reason why you started in the first place, which is I just really like to do this thing. And also I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> yeah. That's a friend of mine told me to like about like theater reviews that, you know, if you believe the good things people say about you, you also have to believe the bad things they say about you because mm-hmm. otherwise you're just choosing to take the things that you like to heart and like those are also just someone's opinion Mm -hmm. right so I think that's really interesting yeah I think it's grounding because I mean this industry has so much rejection and so much you know it's both things right there's people that are going to blow smoke And then there are the people that are going to like try to tear you down. And like you do live somewhere in that sweet spot in the middle, but it's important to kind of get acclimated to both of those things and keep yourself grounded. Mm. I think that's a super important thing to learn. We'll be right back with some rapid fire questions. Your shoes tell a story about not only who you are, but where you're heading. Because of that, your footwear should be as unstoppable as you are. That's why Sorel Footwear designs shoes that define and defy the trends. From sporty sneakers to wear-all-week wedges and boots, their shoes will level up your look, literally. I like to do like a little this or that. And I feel like I know a lot of what your answers are going to be, but we're going to play anyways. Are you down? So down. Love it. All right. Travel. Itinerary or spontaneous? Oh. Oh. Spontaneous. Oh, God. I'm going to go ahead and say itinerary, but things never seem to go as planned. So I guess they end up being spontaneous, mainly because I miss airplanes and stuff. (laughs) 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 All right. um, Ocean or lake? ocean ocean see i prefer a lake uh the ocean is scary can you tell us why okay so (laughs) (laughs) so the lake is warmer Mm -hmm. and there aren't as many scary creatures in a lake that can get me like you know of Mm. yeah but like i mean the fact that the ocean has things like jellyfish with really long tentacles that can like isn't there something like a Portuguese man of war that can sting you from really far away because his tentacles are so long? Like, I just don't want to mess with that. That's just, I, I don't want to do it. And okay. I feel like lakes are always pretty warm. So they're, I mean. Yeah, that's because there's no circulation in a lake and all the pee just builds up. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> lakes are haunted. We're going to ruin lakes for you by the end of this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, really? this is not. But this is gasoline. This is not to say that I don't love the ocean. People. I just prefer, <laughs> to, like, I have more fun at a lake. I feel like sounds like you hate the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question: Would you rather be too hot or too cold? Too hot. Too hot. Really. Oh my Five God, years yes. in Montreal, too hot. <laughs> okay, but here's here's my thing about being too cold. Like, I like to sleep really cold because you can always add blankets to you. Mm. And then no, you have, th- like, weight on you that feels comforting. When you're too hot, there's nothing you can do. Like, you can take all of your clothes off, and if you're still too hot, there's nothing you can do. I think that this 
question, though, the way you're answering it is unfair because you're assuming that you're going to be in a position where you can just put a blanket on. And if that's true, then if I'm too hot, I'm also in a position where I can just go stand in front of an air conditioner. Like, I think it has to be like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Touché. you're too cold and there's nothing you can do about it, or you're too hot and there's nothing you can do about it. And that has to be how you answer the question. This is true. This is true. I really did set you up to fail. <laughs> so now re-answer the question. <laughs> okay. But but we're answering it as if there is something we can do about it? No, there's nothing you can do about there's it. Nothing you're either too hot or too cold and that's it. Uh, well, then I guess too hot. Mm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, that's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Very interesting. All right. All right. This is going to make me judge you if you have the wrong answer. Um, toilet paper, over or under? Over. Mm -hmm. okay. Over. Good. Good. What kind of psychopath is out here putting it under? <laughs> there are those kinds of psychopaths in the world. I've met a couple of them. <laughs> Just don't let me date one, for God's sake. Would never. Would never. If I'm I if you were dating toilet. someone and I went over to their house and their toilet paper was under, I would come up to you and I'd be like, we have to go. We have to break up with them. <laughs> burn it down. I burn would, the whole I house down. I would burn the house down by lighting <laughs> that one roll of toilet paper on fire and then walking out the front door without saying anything about it. Uh, and okay, then a week last... later they'd be like, it was a roll of toilet paper. That's how the house went down. And I'm always like, how do you guys know that? Like, it's a whole fire. And they're like, it was the toaster oven. And I'm like, everything is burnt. How, mm. who, how do you know? Science. Science. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, last question. Um, just because it's you guys. <clears throat> Rosé or orange wine? This is a complicated answer. We're also going to have to explain to the audience what orange wine is because a lot of people are not familiar with it. Well, they need to get with the program. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I'm going to say rosé because it's more reliable. Yeah, mm. you could get it most places. And also, like, you pretty much know what it's going to taste like. Orange wine is just anybody's guess. Mm. Yeah. Orange wine is... Correct me if you guys think I'm wrong, but I feel like it is similar to rosé, but it's just got a little more oomph. And it is it an orange. Yeah, it's a sister wine to rosé. Yeah. And you can only find it some places. Like we discovered it in Montreal when we were shooting and we fell in love with it, but they don't have it many places. So if you are somewhere where they have it, give it a try if you like rosé. Yeah, it's like Rosé's older, more bossy sister. Yes. Mm -hmm. She's got <laughs> things to say. Yes, I think I go Rosé too, though, unfortunately. A bit basic, but... When we've done interviews and stuff, you always talk about advice that you would give to people who want to get started in the industry. And I know that one thing that you guys always say that I agree with is to you know, have something else that you're passionate about so that you don't have like all of your eggs in that one basket. But my question would be for you, like H, like you're, you know, recording music and stuff. Like how do you, how do you keep yourself mentally balanced between both of those things? Yeah, I think, well, music has always been like a big part of my life, given that my parents are musicians and there's just always music around the house and it felt meditative and calming to me. And it's stayed that thing through adulthood. 
but something that's really special about the world we live in now is like, you know, I can record music on my laptop from my closet in Montreal and I can send it off to get mixed and then I can just post it. And I don't need anyone's permission to do that. There's no gatekeepers in that way. And I, I think there's something really cool about the ability we have to share ideas and concepts now. And I'm very grateful for the fact that like we can share our art like that. And like there's no one standing in the way of us being able to do that, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas with film and television, like there's a few more hoops to jump through, even though I guess now with like TikTok and stuff, you could just do it on your phone if I knew how to use my phone. <laughs> um. And Megan, what about you? I mean, I think music for all three of us is like such a huge part of our lives and always has been, I think, more so than not having all your eggs in one basket. For me, the, it serves the purpose of just reminding yourself that you are more useful than just pursuing like one thing that you're not always going to succeed at. Mm -hmm. It's to me just a reminder of like how big the world is and how you really are in control of creating an environment where you feel like you're thriving, even when you might not be in, in one area. Like if what you really want to do is be an actor and you're not working, that can sometimes create a negative space in your life. Yeah. But it can be as simple as waking up and going on a walk and just being yeah. like, oh, right, I have neighbors and uh, there are trees around me and my world is so much bigger than the fact that I don't have a job in this moment, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I've, I've talked about this sitting and really thinking about how incredible it is that we are just like even existing, much less existing and, and able to pursue something that we're passionate about. Like coming to, to that kind of brings me really into my present and kind of helps lessen my anxiety because it's, it just makes me feel like things are much simpler than I sometimes make them out to be. Hmm. Yeah. That was like the contemplation of 2020, I feel. Like. Yeah. I, was just, <laughs> I was just like sitting in my one bedroom apartment, just looking out the window at the palm trees. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, the bold type was obviously heavily influenced by showcasing empowering female friendships in your lives and I obviously know from my personal relationships with you guys, but how do you nurture those types of female friendships in your real life while also tending to your career? Because obviously we're busy a lot of the time, but maintaining the things outside like your friendships and your family relationships and all of that is really important to keep you grounded. So how how do you guys go about that? I, I feel like... I'm really blessed to have friendships and relationships that there, there's like a level of understanding of lifestyles and, you know, the way that my my life has worked since I remember uh, has been that I don't stay in one place for very long and I'm not very good at my telephone. <laughs> but when I'm with you, I'm with you. And I like, I love nothing more than being on the phone for a really long time. Like, texting is hard, but I, I, I feel like my my friends, I'm so blessed to have these people in my life that understand the way I work and, and I understand the way that they work. And so there's, you know, like on an individual basis, it's it's like figuring out how to nurture relationships with these kind of 
kind of tumultuous lifestyles, to be completely honest, you know? Yeah. Very hectic. Yeah. Yeah. You're bad at texting. You are very good at a FaceTime. See, I'm the opposite. I will text until I die. And every (laughs) time my phone rings, I want to not answer it. (laughs) I don't know why that is. But I think actually the pandemic sort of helped that a little bit because we were so isolated that it forced us to communicate in different ways and like actually helped me like foster more intimate relationships with some of my family members and stuff by FaceTiming them when I normally probably wouldn't have. Yeah. So I'm kind of grateful for that. Yeah. I think there's an old lady like trapped inside my body. And one day, like alien style, she's just going to like eat her way out and like be like, like, it was me the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I feel like, you know, we, we are the three of us, I feel like are really good. We have our group chat and we're really good at communicating with each other. I feel like I've lived so many different like places and kind of like taken the relationships that I'm like, you're my ride or die. I've taken those relationships and I'm like, okay, I have a couple people that I've taken from these places that I no longer live in those cities with them that I need to like make sure that I continue to nurture those relationships. You got to water the friendship soil. That's what I'm always saying. <laughs> Every day, Megan's out here saying that. I'm always saying that. Anybody who knows me will tell you. Um, why do you guys think that all of the things that we've talked about, not just the way that we portrayed friendship on the bold tape, like why do you think that it was such important television that really like, you know, spoke to people? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Does anyone know? Um, well, I think the the answer that we've given before, but it's still very true, is just that it really reflects female friendship in the way that we experience it that is supportive and loving and kind and forgiving and communicative and all of those and not jealous and not backstabby and all of that stuff. Like, I think a lot of people connect to the show because they watch the three girls and they're like, oh, right. Yeah, I love my friends that way. Yeah, too. I think there's something really beautiful about it. And like also the timing, too, which, you know, is a lot of luck. But I I feel like it, it hit at a time when everyone was kind of craving something that felt um, like uh, kind of ambitious and like maybe a version of the world that w- we wish we lived in, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and mm-hmm. I think at least for me, I know like at that time I was craving a lot of comfort. Um, and, and I think the show kind of, you know, provided all of those things. Well, and we, you know, in that way, I feel like we talked a lot about, and we had storylines about things that were actually kind of happening in the world. And even though we kind of had the, the stories that ended in a positive light, you know, I think that when people watch TV, you want that sort of comfort of escapism and being able to like maybe see what you are going through in your life, but with the hope of a different result. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think the show is very hopeful. And I think that that's a huge, was one of the huge um, assets of the show. What kind of roles 
would you guys like to see, whether it be for you or just women in general? Like what kind of roles would you like to see become available for women like now and in the future? Well, I'm not going to bore you again with this, but you guys know (laughs) I love Josephine Baker and I just feel like I had to say it. Say it. Tell us why. She was a spy. She did all these really cool things in her life. She was queer. She was an activist. Yeah, she's just a cool, cool lady. And I, I wish people knew more about her and more people loved her like I do. But, you know, lately I've been thinking a lot about, I want to play like <laughs> a villain. I've never wanted to be in a big franchise, but the more I think about it, like, I want to like have like a sword or something and just be like bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. yes. I would pay so much money to see you with a sword. But awkward. Like I don't have any fighting skills, you know? Yeah, but that's why they train you. No, but I don't I don't want to have fighting skills. Like I want it to just be like she accidentally is always like just like bad and like wins. Bad at being a superhero or bad no, like like bad two Ds like she's just so good at being a, a, a super 2Ds. villain. Okay, but like she doesn't really have any real skills. <laughs> got it. Got it got so got like it. that's my pitch. Um, if anyone you know, Sold. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, is there any kind of roles that you would like? Um, I want to do something that requires me to learn a really specific skill that I don't have. Like, what are we talking? Are we talking about you being like a blackjack dealer and like learning card skills or? I'm talking about riding a horse backwards with no (laughs) shoes and no saddle. Whoa. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like that's immediately making me think of like Lord of the Rings. People like swinging themselves onto horses and like doing bow and arrows. Like Legolas. So, so you know, like parkour and stuff. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah, I would. <laughs> I want to do the first full length feature film <laughs> about parkour. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. Th- I think it would be really cool to like learn like fighting some sort of really badass movie where I have to like learn how to be a trained assassin or something. Yes. That's what I'm saying. That would be very fun. Guys, I feel like we could do all three of these things in the same film. This is true. This <laughs> is very true. I'm the super villain that is completely unskilled. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm skilled at one thing that's not useful. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the bold type movie. It just like really goes way left field. No one understands why it's happening. But again, that's Megan's dream. Megan's dream is to just do a film where weird things happen and no one explains (laughs) why they're happening. Or like a TV show, I actually think. Yeah, like it's a very grounded show. It's the bold type, except in one episode, like someone's on the ceiling. And then we don't (laughs) talk about it or address it and it doesn't happen again. (laughs) Well, okay. So circling back, obviously, Aish, you've talked about this a lot in terms of growing up, not really feeling represented when you were watching TV and then, you know, wanting to bring that to screen. Well, what does that mean to you to like see that sort of representation starting to build? I mean, yeah, obviously it it means a lot. And I, 
I don't think like as a kid, I was really able to like comprehend why I loved the Sesame Street so much. Wait, it's Sesame Street. It's not the Sesame Street, is it? It's, it's, it is now. It is now. Anyway, I, I, it was hard for me to kind of put that together in my, you know, little brain. But I think like in hindsight, I realized like seeing business owners and different people from different walks of life kind of doing all different kinds of things and, and being represented in that way was so special. And I never would have anticipated that I would then be doing that and experiencing like people in the real world kind of coming up and expressing what that has meant to them. I think sometimes like the weight of that can give me some anxiety sometimes, but I think for the most part, I just feel so incredibly grateful. And like, it just reminds me that I'm like meant to be here, even even if, yeah. you know, only two people care, like we're we're here for a reason, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like someone in the world who's like little Asia was, and she's watching you and feeling like she can do it too if she wants to. Yeah, and it also, it makes me want to fight more for people who have had a different experience to me as well, because, you know, as well as we're doing, I'm still like a, I'm biracial and like I'm light-skinned and I'm cis and I'm, I, I have a lot of privilege too. So just ha- having that like knowledge, it just makes me want to like, you know, fight <laughs> Fight the power or whatever. Fight the power. <laughs> very, very cat of you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And what do you guys, in the same way that it's important to obviously have that sort of representation, I feel, you know, I, we were very lucky being on the show that we were on. And we got along so well, but we're also in such a competitive industry where I find that sometimes people decide to like be competitive in real life. And I feel like, you know, there's room at the table for everyone, but especially I hate to see that sort of like negative competition between women. What do you think is so important about having women support each other on screen and off? I think that the more you can have a reflection of feminism and and positive relationships in general out, out just outside of feminism too the better off you are i just think that the more energy around those kinds of things we create the more we'll see it reflected in our real lives and you know it sort of goes back to what we were talking about before like about little girls watching TV and seeing, you know, these stories be played out before they've experienced them themselves. It does, it goes somewhere, right? So if, if we can, if we can feed those minds and even our own grown up minds with, with good stuff and true stuff and right stuff, then I think we're on the right track. Yeah. I mean, I I do really believe that like if we're portraying that like women are powerful and we're bosses and, you know, we're supportive of one another and kind to one another, hopefully that rubs off on people and they feel like that's how they want to move through the world. And even just professionally, I feel like, you know, 
women deserve to be in other positions that, you know, there aren't that many female DPs and, you know, there aren't that many um, female camera operators and people working on sets. Like, I think it's starting to grow, but, you know, we need to get more women out there and show that we're supporting one another because if the system's already bred to not allow us in those spaces, you know, we need to support each other in in getting there. Yeah, that's why we got to stay on our hustle, babies. Mm -hmm. In feeling supported throughout your career, obviously that comes with a lot of advice that you're given. And, you know, you take advice and you have the ones, the pieces of advice that you feel like you could use and the ones that you, you know, can cast aside. But what do you think is the best piece of advice you've ever been given, whether it has to do with the industry or not? The mm-hmm. best advice I've ever been given, Katie? Are you kidding me? This is like the hardest <laughs> question to answer in the world. <laughs> I'm, I'm making you guys think. You said it so casually. Well, don't do that. <laughs> we don't want to. <laughs> I, I have one. Okay. Yes. My friend told me, and I, you know, I need to think about this often because it doesn't always work as much as I try, but what people think of you is none of your business. Hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, someone, my friend last night, she gave me a pat on the head and she said, when people show you who they are, believe them. Mm-hmm. And I just loved that. I loved it so much. Yeah, that's a good one. I also said that to you yesterday. Yeah, and I said the thing you said to you two days ago. So oh. how about that? <laughs> <laughs> and now I don't have one (laughs) what did I wait I I said something to you the other day Maggie yeah what was it so good you put one foot in front of the other Yep. to get through the day oh I oh I have one you just have to keep doing the next right thing just keep doing the next right thing she got there in the end (laughs) is what's right Meaning just what's right for you? That's right. Ooh. It's this idea that we we get such tunnel vision in our lives and we feel so overwhelmed all the time by everything. And it helps with my anxiety, which I have plenty of, to remember that all I have to do is the next right thing for me, whatever that is. If it's taking a nap or eating a snack or taking a shower or reading a book or calling a friend, like it can be just that one thing. And then all you do is that. And then after that, you pick the next right thing. Hmm. And before you know it, you're just, you're doing it. I love that. Now, another sort of big question, but the answer can be as simple as you want it to be. What do you hope for yourself in, you know, the next year and beyond? I hope to make my world a little bit bigger. Um, I think we're all in this hugely transitional moment right now where we've just finished a job that we had for five years. And that was like a big chunk of life Mm. that looked similar in the sense that we kept doing the show. And so, and I don't even mean like, I'm going to travel. Like I, I, I mean, like, my personal world inside of my head, I want that to grow. Mm. And I want to do things for myself to 
to help that to happen because I do think that ultimately is going to bring me more peace and, um, and happiness. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say something similar, Megan, like just in, in terms of, um, our sense of self, I feel like it feels really important to me at this point to kind of just like develop more of a sense of peace with myself and love and acceptance of myself exactly as I am, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the self-loathing will really get you, especially <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, but you are enough exactly as you are. Thanks, Boo. Welcome. And we Mm. all know that the three of us can talk forever and ever and ever, but I have one final question that I ask everybody, and that is, how have you learned to approach challenges in order to step out and stay focused on your goals? How about you go first? Okay. Um, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, therapy is something that has helped me, just like being able to have some sort of an outlet where... I'm able to talk to an unbiased person who kind of helps me to stay on my path and helps me to kind of empower myself to go towards things that feel seemingly impossible. That's, you know, something that for me has been really comforting. That's great. Something that I've been realizing, especially lately, um, is, is that our, you know, our gut instincts are always driving us in exactly the right direction. We just have to be still enough to actually hear it and listen. So I think for me, I would just say like deep listening because the answers are there. Yes, Aish, I was going to say that. Like I I have an intuition that has never failed me. Mm. I have an intuition that I have failed (laughs) Mm -hmm. many times by not giving it voice. And I think that will be a thing that I'm forever working on is just giving my intuition the space because we all kind of have that guide in us, but we often stifle it for millions of reasons. But I think, yeah, I totally agree with you, Aisha. I think it's really about deep listening. Mm. I love you guys so much. Thank you for coming on and, you know, filling my heart as you do most days, Mm -hmm. but for coming on here and, you know, supporting me in this and sharing your vulnerability and your heart with everybody who's listening. I love you. Love Love you so much. Little Stevie. (laughs) Love you too, Ish. Thanks, guys. This episode of The Step is presented by Pop Sugar and Sorel, powerful footwear for unstoppable individuals. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to The Step wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katie Stevens. We'll be back next week.